I'm Rob. And I'm Nate. And welcome to Rob and Nate Record a Podcast. It is March the 10th, 2020. For this month, we're not doing any overarching overarching theme because of various other time commitments. Uh, So we're going to do a couple standalone episodes, the first of which is going to be on the movie Coffee, a 1973 black exploitation film starring Pam Greer, the queen of black exploitation. In fact, I'm going to read for you uh, just some titles of uh, Pam Greer films uh, from the 1970s. Pam Greer was only uh, 24 years old uh, when she made this film. Uh, she would have, she continues to act today. Uh, she's like 70 year, years old now, but her pinnacle in many ways was the 1970s, in which she starred in such films as The Big Dollhouse, Women in Cages, Cool Breeze, The Big Bird Cage, Hitman, Black Mama, White Mama, Scream, Blackula Scream, The Arena, Foxy Brown, Sheba Baby, Bucktown, and Friday Foster. I chose this film because uh, Rob had never seen a Pam Greer film, at least not a film that starred Pam Greer. You've seen her in bit parts in other films uh, throughout the year. She has a bit part in Mars Attacks, uh, the second Bill and Ted's movie, uh, Larry Crown. She shows up Larry occasionally. Larry Crown is the only one of those that I've seen. Mm-hmm. And you've never really seen a black exploitation movie, period. No. no. So nothing like. Like Shaft or Superfly, Black Caesar, Dolomite. None I've of seen that stuff. part of Shaft. Was the original Shaft? The, they made four Shaft films in the seventies, and then Samuel Jackson starred in a soft kind reboot a remake, sequel yeah. in two thousand, and then just last year another Shaft film. Oh, I didn't realize came that. out. Yeah, yeah, that's it's an area I haven't picked up a lot on. So yeah, yeah, it's it's an interesting area of of uh, of cinema. Uh, not just black exploitation, but the whole uh, exploitation subgenres that were that ex- existed pretty consistently since at least the 30s. Uh, but their heyday was probably the 70s. Watching this, you can see the influence that films of, of this type would have on Quentin Tarantino. Oh, who, yeah. of course, would make a film uh, with Pam Greer called, uh, which is called Jackie Brown, which is takeoff of Foxy Brown, which was an earlier Pam Greer film. Uh, that film was adaptation of the Elmore Leonard novel Rum Punch uh, from 1992, which uh, the lead character in that book is not black. He changed it around and made the lead character black so he could make a Pam Greer film. Hmm. This story is uh, Pam Greer plays a nurse uh, by the name of Coffee. Well, that's her nickname. Her last name's Coffin. And her her, her younger sister has been hooked on smack by the drug dealers so her young, very young, young younger so, sister. Yes, because she's 24 when she made this film, and her younger sister is supposed to be 11. She also makes interest to an older sister, makes yeah. reference to an older sister and a brother, both of which are drug addicts, uh, whereas Coffee is, uh, is a nurse. Uh, this film is set in Los Angeles, in the greater Los Angeles area. After her younger sister gets uh, hooked on the drugs and has to go to rehab and is all messed up, she decides to get revenge on some of the drug pushers. Was she in rehab, or I got the impression she'd taken, like, a hot load and was basically kind of disabled and crippled. That's by. what they implied, but when they go to visit, when he, when she goes uh, to visit her sister with Carter, the sign in front of the facility says it's a rehab center. Oh, okay. But uh, the dialogue indicates she's beyond rehabilitation, whether that's true or not. She didn't seem that far gone when they visited her, but... Uh, yeah, I don't know. 
Uh, Coffee uh, certainly did not take kindly to what had happened and basically becomes a vigilante uh, throughout the course of this film. I don't think she started out with the goals to go quite as uh, as big, big as she into did. it, uh, she was just well. But take the movie down. starts with her getting being a vigilante. Well, it does, yeah. And, but that seems like that was kind of the principal person that she was setting uh, out to get was the the one yeah. drug dealer and then his supplier. Uh, supplier, yeah. Uh, it starts out pretty uh, pretty intense. What are your? Uh, so you came in basically knowing nothing about coffee. I sprung this on you, yeah. a minute or two before we started seeing it, yeah. But what did you think? What are your first impressions? It was interesting. I have kind of mixed feelings about it because to a certain extent the the movie was a vehicle to it was show a, off some feminine bodies. It was a vehicle. Uh, um, Miss uh, Miss Greer is, is uh, as Charlie Chaplin once said, upper regional domes immensely expansive. <laughs> and uh, this film was built around, uh, at the very least, cleavage. Yeah. Uh, and then th- uh, some more later on. And then, of course, there's the famous catfight scene yeah. where they are just going out of their way to remove shirts from, from women. Yeah. With only the slightest plausibility. Slightest probability of provocation. Yeah. But, I mean, it was interesting. I mean, even though it's not significantly heavy on plot, it still has plot. It has plot. It um, has a decent plot. I would say this is a film that when you look at it, that what was filling the seats was the women. Yes. Uh, people going to see the women and parts of the women. Uh, it's smarter than it needs to be if that's the purpose of this film. Well, but the only... I would disagree slightly because the provocationist, what sets her off into... sets coffee off into this larger vigilante is the killing of Carter. Right. So but Car- she's been shunning Carter, yeah. Carter and barely makes a connection with Carter, and then suddenly that's the motivation for this broader vigilante. Well, it sets up, and, and, and as with all of our podcasts, it's spoiler-heavy. So it, it sets up early on this love triangle situation. So Carter is, is a cop who uh, Coffee had been in a romantic relationship with at some point in the past. It and seems as though, like, some point when they at were At some teenagers. point when they were probably teenagers, yeah. yeah. And uh, Carter still has a thing for, for Coffee. Coffee likes Carter well enough, but she has her sights uh, set on uh, Howard Brunswick, played by uh, Booker Bradshaw, uh, who is a member of the Los Angeles City Council, who, through the course of the film, embarks, embarks on a, a campaign for a, for a congressional seat. Yeah. And she thinks the world of this guy, she's, he's older by, by 10, 15 years, maybe more than yeah. her. But he, to her, appears to be very successful and appears to be a man fighting for the, uh, the rights of black people and appears to be a good guy. Uh, and they've been having a relationship. Uh, and later on, she finds out he's not so good a guy. But you don't find that out until roughly the last third of the movie. Yeah. And they don't even really introduce him again until probably 50 minutes into the film. You see him briefly at the 20-ish minute mark, and then he kind of disappears until late in the film. And then you find out that he's involved uh, with these various gangsters uh, that Coffee's trying to take down. Yeah. But the thing that spurns her into this broader vigilante to take down the rest of these gangsters uh, is that Carter has asked her out, and she she stiffs him. Mm-hmm. You know, she's like, no, I'm not interested. And then he asks her out again later on, and she's like, you know, he was kind of like, we could have, you know, a nice night together. And she's like, you don't want to do what I'm doing. Yeah, you don't want to do what him, I'm doing tomorrow. It's like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, but she, so whatever. she takes him to visit her sister, and then Carter is killed by his corrupt partner, 
and some of these other drug lords, basically. And she takes Carter's death as the motivation to spin all of this off. Mm-hmm. So they've had basically one date, and suddenly this connection is yeah, so strong. But that there's there's a lot of history there, and and you can tell some some of their so they have the one date, and then they get together a night or two later. He, he's I don't know if stalking's the right word for it, but he's making himself where she is when he thinks that they can maybe go out and do something, but takes her back to his apartment, has a phone conversation with his partner where he basically says, I'm not in on that thing that you want me in on, and if you pursue it, I'm going to bring you down, which is a really stupid thing to say directly to the guy who could could bring you down. Well, he even says that. He says, I probably talk too much. Yeah. And he did, because within a number of minutes, uh, some thugs are dispatched to break into Carter's house and beat him, not to death, but beat him to uh, a vegetable. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, but that's, that, like I said, that becomes Coffee's motivation for the rest of the film. You know, she says, a a nice guy. Uh, A nice cop named Carter. Yeah. But it's, like I said, it's, yeah, they, they were friends in the past. They had a romantic relationship in the past. Um, but the rekindling of this re- relationship was only sparsely dealt with. I was fine with that, though. It, it, was, it was dealt with to the extent that the film needed it to be dealt with as a motivator for further action. I think that it was a little bit light, but it was fine. I mean, given what the nature of this film is, mm. it was fine. But it, it, in my opinion, it was a little bit light of that on that connection. Mm. It was the vehicle to get you to connect it to the broader vigilante. But at the end of the film, you know, if you were like, okay, what spurned her onto this? It was like, oh, that's right. It was a, oh, yeah. Carter who yeah. died at the 30-minute mark. Yeah. Uh, so after Carter's death, uh, she visits a woman who's a prostitute who Coffee had once stitched her up uh, as a nurse after her boyfriend, Pimp uh, King George, had, had beat her up. And she's now operating quasi-independently. She has a old uh, old lady, yeah, uh, a, a female... Basically a female pimp. Female pimp, implied lesbianism uh, there. Uh, and she goes, Coffee goes to see this woman to get dirt on uh, both uh, King George the pimp and on Arturo Vetroni, uh, who is uh, a very prominent gangster in the area, who who's basically the conduit through which most of the drugs uh, eventually make their way to the black community through subsidiaries. And so she learns from this lady that Vetroni has a thing for exotic women. So she uh, fakes a Jamaican accent, which you'll notice she drops really quick even in scenes where she's with the trony yeah which is pam greer had some growing to do as far as being an an actress goes so she pretends to be this jamaican prostitute and contacts king george i'm in town i hear you're the best i want to work for you well but i think in some ways dropping the accent is part of the the deal because like she's supposed to be so attractive that she only needed this loose connection to convince them that she's Jamaican and then they're going to forget about the accent uh, because she's so attractive. Yeah. So, so she uh, hooks up with King George's group, including the women with whom she'd re- later have the cat fight uh, because King George is very interested uh, in this new addition to his... Uh, well, and if you actually remember the actual motivation, the actual plot point for which the cat fight occurs is she needs to have an excuse to go back to go change or mm-hmm. something so that she can go get into where he keeps his drugs 
and replace a bunch of the drugs with the sugar. cocaine with sugar. Uh, was it cocaine or heroin? Heroin, probably. Heroin. Well, yeah. I think it's it was, heroin. It was supposed to be heroin, but it was white. And, and yeah. most heroin, at least around here, is mm. black tar heroin mm. on the West Coast. You know, so it's... I don't know. It, it, yeah, it, and the way it was stored, it was like most cocaine is stored, but it was supposed mm. to be heroin. Yeah. And they cooked it like heroin. But yeah, anyway, so she replaces the drugs with sugar, which unexpectedly works out to her advantage it does yeah Mm -hmm. i was surprised how much i had forgotten about this film and i've seen this film five or six times yeah how did you come in to like become aware of this film and 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 first watch it well i first became aware of this film uh when quentin tarantino and robert rodriguez were going to release a film called grindhouse in 2007 and i was interested in seeing it i decided i should see some actual grindhouse exploitation films from the 70s before i went to see it and TCM did, and probably still does, uh, a thing once a week late at night where they show exploitation and, and just kind of weird films. Mm. And so to show you how long ago this was, this was 2006, 2007, I recorded it on a VHS tape. So I, I put <laughs> in the VHS tape on at night, and I recorded this and uh, Foxy Brown, uh, and I think part of some other movie. Uh, and I watched them later, and I, I don't know precisely what it is about this film that I really liked. I love just how crazy it is. And I hadn't really seen films at that time very much that were this specific type of crazy. And and I love the grittiness. I love the 70s. I've said before, it's my favorite decade to look at. So I watched it several times on VHS. I watched it on uh, cable a couple years back when I had cable. And then last year, they had a showing at the Tower Theater. And so I went and saw it with uh, a medium-sized crowd there. Yeah. Uh, so this is the fifth or sixth time I've seen this film. Hmm. You, there's not too many films you've seen that many I know. Uh, and part of it is because it's so different. And part of it is because it's only an hour and a half long. Uh, this is the first time I've been able to show it to somebody else, though, for obvious reasons. Yeah. Yeah. I can. Yeah, it is, it is pretty obvious. I would say there's a limited audience we would recommend, would this, recommend this too i mean if you're interested in black exploitation films then yeah certainly go check this out it's a good but be introductory aware, one yeah but yeah be aware going into it that if you don't like nudity and violence this is not the mm. film for you now one of the thugs though this isn't graphic violence no it's not it's not that graphic yeah. uh there's there's um probably the most graphic part is when the cop gets hit by the truck well uh, probably the most graphic part is when uh they're kill kicking george yeah so so coffee Basically, uh, organizes a situation for her to spend some one-on-one time with Vitroni with the purpose of killing him. But one of uh, Vitroni's guards is also, I believe, a police officer and had seen Coffee before in some capacity. Well, he's only got the one eye, so he's not a cop, but he was hanging out at the bar. Well, that guy shows up later, but there was the the guy that wears the cowboy hat later on, who I think think might have been a cop, but he had seen Coffee before and warned Vitroni before he went in with her to be alone for sexy times that this was probably some kind of setup. So him and this other thug played by Sid Haig are there right off to stop her from killing their boss and eventually to take her to a house, put her in like a sun, like a sauna room. I thought because it, there's I rocks. Tell if it was a sauna I thought it was a, a shed. Part of it looked like it might have been a dressing room, but there was these rocks in there, which make me think it was some kind of sauna. Yeah, it's possible. 
Sid Haig has a has a bit of a history with uh, Pam Greer. Uh, in several films, he menaces her to no avail. He always loses. Oh, yeah. So as a, kind of an in-joke in the uh, film Jackie Brown, Quentin Tarantino casts Sid Haig as a judge who sentences Pam Greer so that in their last film pairing, Sid Haig can finally come out on top. That's kind of funny. Yeah, it was. This was definitely an interesting film. Uh, like I said, that's an area of of film genre that I just had not had a lot of expo- exposure to the black exploitation. I think I would probably be a little bit less averse to to not watching them in the future. I just mm-hmm. I'd never really stumbled across them, so it's not something I'd I'd ever really ventured into. So yeah, there's yeah. there's there's a couple uh, kind of for lack of a better word, film literacy ones that you would probably uh, want to see if and when. You, you need to see a Shaft film. Uh, you should see um, a Dolomite film or another, a different Rudy Ray Moore film. So, something like uh, Black Caesar, where they're basically kind of wanting or wanting to make The Godfather, but with a black cast. Yeah. Because there was all, all this subgenre of a subgenre where they're taking some popular something else and just making a black version of it. Uh, but I don't know what it is. Um, it it doesn't hurt that uh, Pam Greer is is pretty darn attractive. But I just really like this film. Again, I've I've seen it more than I've seen most films. It's unusual for me to see even a film I like that often, unless it's been out for a year. Unless I've been seen it since I was a kid. Yeah. But so, what would your any final thoughts or how would you rate uh, um. coffee? On the four-star scale, I'd probably give it two and a half stars. On the ten-star scale, it'd probably be six or seven. Yeah, I'd probably have to six or seven it on on the ten-star scale, but I would give it give it three stars on the four-star scale. Yeah. Anything else to say on this one? No, I think that uh, I think that about wraps it up. So this was uh, again coffee from 1973. Yeah, the 1973 film Coffee for certain audiences might be worth checking out. So mm-hmm. I'm Rob and I'm Nate. And we will talk to you next week.